fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to FGGBT. Now, this is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology, and we make it a reality. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn, with me, the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Dan, it is great to be here. Now, I'm sure our listeners listened to our previous episode on Twisted Metal, where we failed to discuss torture methods of the apocalypse, one of which I think has added to your list, watching the movies I pick. <laughs> we did. We had a whole section on that. Uh, that is true. And I will tell you this, Denon, if we ever get into a post-apocalyptic world, I will never watch another thing that you ever mentioned ever again. Uh, but there's one man that I will always listen to, and that's our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, where were you? Where were you hiding when asked to watch this movie? You know, Dan, I was thinking about giving myself some cybernetic enhancements. You know, up here on the brain station, I could be so much more productive, not to mention the extra skill and precision I could put into my work. Yeah, and you you need it because you do some pretty high level stuff up there, Ben. Uh, so yeah. we're talking about Blue Beetle. That's the movie uh, that Denon asked me to watch. And, you know, uh, besides the fact that I don't love social commentary when I'm watching an action packed superhero movie, we'll put that aside. Uh, I have to say that this made me realize that I have completely aged out of a lot of films. And, um, you know, when a movie turns out that it's for people much younger than I am, you know, I don't know if it's because I feel left out or I just can't relate, Dennett. And maybe that's what this movie brought out in me. No, it, it could be. And also, Dan, you haven't really adapted the skill set that I have of watching a movie that's bad and still enjoying yeah. it, which, to yeah. be honest, I mean, I hate to insult a whole franchise, but you may have to do when watching a certain style of action movie these days. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Well, listen. Then I am the master of film and television, and that does not come without its uh, both advantages and disadvantages. Yes. And the advantages, I can only I'm a connoisseur. Yeah, you, know? you yeah. wouldn't ask a sommelier to drink two buck chuck, would you? No, absolutely not. I would for a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad. That's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> All right, you got me, Ben. That's actually that's actually pretty good. Uh, well, and I'll tell you. So that is there's some amazing things that happened to me, Dan. And not only did I watch this movie uh, and cringe, and yeah, there were some good moments. I'm not going to give yeah. it. You know, I'm not going to run it through the ringer. But I realized something, Dan, and that is that I have talked a lot on this show about how I believe that AI is going to be the death of us, it's going to take us over, that's going to be the end of the human race. Uh, that is, of course, uh, if zombies don't get us first. <laughs> However, this made me think that maybe working with AI in certain situations could have advantages. Uh, we're going to get to that in a second, but first I want to say that this movie is really about creating super soldiers. And what are superhero movies, if not all, really... Uh, movies about creating super soldiers uh, and that who they're fighting for really shifts and changes. And that's right. kind of what we have going on here. Um, you know, but in this one, we see a device that plugs directly into the human spine to give extraordinary powers. Uh, this, I thought, was kind of an interesting take. And it made me really start to wonder, what are the capabilities of creating a super soldier? Yeah, you know, and super soldiers are interesting things, Dan, because they do come in, in your basic core two 
um, modes, which is let's mm-hmm. put a shell on a person, right, and mm-hmm. make the person kind of indestructible and give them a lot of extra weapons to carry. Um, it's kind of like the Iron Man theme or other sure. ways to go. And then you have the other extreme, which is the Captain American version, where let's inject them with stuff. Um, and, yeah. and to your point, I think our viewers should go back through our catalog. Um, we've we've addressed <laughs> um, most issues yeah. with either the serum or the shell superhero. And I'm with you. This is a, diff- a slightly different take um, on this on on the super soldier approach. Um, so I'm intrigued as well. I, I'm not sure though of the modern value of the super soldier given the droid. Um, or drone, not yeah, the droid. Drone. Sorry, yeah, the, we don't, we don't the, droid, yet. the droid is also an option, but, but I meant to say drone. I know you want to live in the Star Wars universe, but unfortunately, oh, we're, still, we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> is this real life? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're still here. Uh, what about you, Ben? You know, as just to get this started, you know, the, the human, the biological machine interface is really at the core of what we're talking about here. Yeah, I, I love that the, the beetle, as we see it, it really taps into that central part of the of the spinal column. Mm-hmm. Who knows how it got up there? You know, that that's a debate for another era, <laughs> yes, uh, for another episode. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, it's really important because that if you think about what the beetle is doing, which is enhancing strength, movement, uh, somehow adding power shields, uh, you know, th- those things all come from the spinal column, especially the power shields part. I don't know, right. I don't know about you. You've figured out your power shields, right? Uh, yeah, 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 of course. Uh, but In adolescence. If you're going to enhance somebody's leg muscles, like that's a perfect way to do or leg motion even. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at the uh, the, the bad guy, you know, it's, it's hard to really decide if that guy was bad or not in the movie. But yeah. he has clearly been mechanically enhanced. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of this. So if you're, you know, putting in metal bones, if you're adding some servos, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff, you're going to want to control it through the way your brain normally controls your legs, which is the spinal column. Yeah. I mean, really what this is, is it's hacking into the mainframe of your body, which is yeah. your brain. But once you have access to that, you kind of, with with the right technology, you can kind of do anything here. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I guess by the time this comes out, an episode of Fascinating Nouns I did on muscles, you know, mu- on human muscles, they're fascinating things. They give, they allow us to do so much, but we also have, they're, they're very strong, they're actually stronger than they should be. As a matter of fact, our muscles had the capability of tearing our own ligaments and are breaking our own bones, but luckily, there are systems in place that don't allow you to do that. You will feel you, your brain will send signals that, hey, you shouldn't lift this much or you shouldn't you know, strain this way. There's these chemical signif- you know, these chemical signals. But what if we could dull them? What if we could eliminate them completely? Now, all of a sudden, your performance, which you, you guys and I are capable of in this hidden potential, you can really unlock that by simply adjusting the chemistry inside our own body. And you can do that with something plugged into your spinal cord. Yeah, you're so you're so right about that, Dan. And it does remind me um, of a failure I had because 
in my new YouTube series, Physics of X, where I talk about the Harry Dresden series, mm-hmm. um, I do a lot of the interesting how could magic be real physics. And the sure. one I did not cover that I missed is he becomes what's called the Winter Knight, where through apparent magic, he becomes super strong. Okay. And it's really a cool interaction where one of the doctors in the book realizes, you know, Harry, I don't think you're actually super strong. I just think the evil queen of fairy has made you not realize you're destroying yourself from the inside out. And that Mm. she has suppressed all of these natural barriers, and he's using the full potential of his muscles while slowly destroying his body, Mm -hmm. which may be part of her evil plan. So -hmm. that's just like a mini taste of what the physics of X is like, where I do these brilliant things, Dan, based sometimes on ideas I steal from you and sometimes my own ideas. So (laughs) people can find this on YouTube. (laughs) Uh, Where where exactly, Dennett? Well, YouTube.com slash Michael Denon, because it's, you know, so old that I actually got to use my real name. Right. <laughs> that is a sign of age, uh, because everything is reversed for you. So that is exactly. that's an, that's an old platform. Well, th- you know, th- uh, one of the things I learned is that we actually have the potential when we use our muscles. The typical person really, when they feel that they are at their maximum and the maximum strain that they have, it's about 60 percent of what their muscles are capable of. Elite athletes can go up to 80 percent. You can a- so so you could turn that off and go to 100 percent. And that's when you see these feats of strength in the news where it's, you know, a, ki- a, a woman's child is caught under a car. And like, you know, Bruce Banner, she turns into the Hulk and lifts the car off. Right. That's the 100 the percent level, which is dangerous. You know, that's red yeah. zone for human beings. Yeah. But you can get this, you know, uh, but super soldiers. I want to talk about this because, you know, you mentioned that there are a couple different ways to do this, Denon. And I think. I wouldn't say because basically you're talking about external versus internal. Yes. But I would say, uh, you know, I think that that is a distinction. But when I look at it, I break it down into basically chemicals, genetic enhancements and then um, uh, then cybernetic enhancements. So things that are external. But this, you know, this chemical, this is really kind of fascinating to me because Captain America, obviously super soldier serum, but we've had steroids to give you muscle use, you know, uh, the muscle growth, um, pain tolerance. These are all things that we've used in soldiers before. As a matter of fact, you know, tragically, you know, in our world, we see terrorist attacks all the time. And in a recent one, uh, the recent one, October 7th, uh, the terrorist group Hamas used Capt- it's called Captagon, and this is actually a chemical stimulant that's an, it's amphetamine. It suppresses fear. It reduces a need for sleep. It originally was used as like um, an ADHD kind of medication that's mm. being abused, but, you know, suppresses appetite, gives you provided, sustained energy, and also there's psychotic reactions. So it can change the brain circuitry that governs control and judgment. So over prolonged use, you actually lose your ability to think rationally. Now, these mm. are horrible traits for a roommate, but ideal traits for someone, for a warrior uh, or someone, a soldier uh, or a terrorist who is doesn't care about life and limb and only wants maximum potential to wreak, you know, chaos on the world. So chemicals, they're the oldest form and, you know, they are kind of a very potent form that's still in act today. Now, I think that's right, Dan. I think the interesting thing about that and, and the danger is, um, you know, and I mentioned drones earlier, I said it correctly this time, that Mm -hmm. you have um, is what is it you want to put at risk, right? And what is it you value? You know, the problem with the chemical super soldier Mm -hmm. is you mentioned, you know, reducing rational thought. um, They're they're much more aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, They're still very squishy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. 
right? And, yeah. and it's very at risk at losing them. And let's just say, I mean, not just the intrinsic value of human life. It's also hard, you know, a lot of time invested to get a human to the age where you're going to use them as a soldier, mm-hmm. um, which is why this world of sort of, I mean, drones are expensive still, but they're getting cheaper, um, maybe a little easier to armor and defend or remote controlled tanks. I don't know if we have those yet. I'm not aware of all our secrets. But we do. It's a way I would go, right? Like this remote control removes the human risk and just puts the machines at risk. Right. So I, I'm really, I'm always torn like on which is the better way to go here um, because it does make the human decision capable stuff removed but you've already like with the chemicals reduced our rational decision making ability so um i'm a little like (laughs) drone remote control tank super soldier i'm kind of more on the drone side i think yeah it it, in my mind it's really it's really a debate between the short and long-term thinking of the army you know the the drone is the long-term process because you're thinking i don't want to sacrifice my people to Mm -hmm. this to this battle i i want to use something that I can replace, and if you have the industrial backbone to to do that, then it's a great method. You know, when you see these um, nations that are using their young adults mm-hmm. to fight these wars, they come back and they're not, they can't, they can no longer often contribute to the society. You've now won your war, but you have a bunch of PTSD people who can't really be productive anymore. So it's this short term. Yeah, we won the. The, the we won the war or the battle, but you've lost the future um, to this. Well, and I would say some of these you know young adults. We're talking twelve, eleven, you know, yeah. th- so pretty young. Uh, I think you know. I think with from a chemical approach, I think it's difficult because our human chemistry is so complex. We yep. can kind of get general ideas of what these things will do, but I think it also varies. Now, not everything makes people psychotic. The one I mentioned obviously does. Um, but I think that when it comes to some of the other things we do, they can be a little more controlled. And I think what you're talking about, Denon, is really, you know, a drone gives us the um, the distance between ourselves in a conflict and does re- right. reduce human life. But I think there's nothing like a human, especially a chemically enhanced human, who maybe in the moment can make this human decisions quickly, immediately, uh, and and process their surroundings. It's very different with someone, a human being, you know, in a box a thousand miles away, looking at a computer screen through a camera versus mm-hmm. our eyes, which we're used to, you know, I think there's oh, just exactly, some, you know, and I think we've all experienced that directly in the zoom world. Yeah. The zoom meeting Definitely. does not have quite the same effect as the in-person meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's true. And, but so chemicals one way, genetically is another way. Right. So so instead of having, you know, these chemical effects, which can, you know, the, the upside is that they're temporary. The downside is they're slightly unpredictable. Genetics, it's a little more permanent. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> you know, uh, and even, you know, recently, you know, within the past, you know, five or six years, the U.S. intelligence offices have said that there are governments around the world that are experimenting with genetically engineered soldiers. You know, and you can even do this for very simple things, you know. Biologically, biological enhancement can just mean endurance or mm-hmm. intelligence yeah. or even mm-hmm. size, strength. You know, I've got two brothers who they can lift, you know, for a week and they look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I've been lifting my whole life uh, and, I, and I definitely don't have the size. I don't look like a tight end for the NFL. <laughs> yeah. They do. They just have different genes. Right. And so you can work that into 
athletic traits. So this yeah. is, I think, kind of interesting. Even, you know, or think about this. One last thing. You could even work in psychological traits where, let's say you, you know, we don't like psychopaths in our world, but for a soldier, a psychopath's kind of what you want. You don't want, you want someone yeah. without remorse who's willing to take a human life without thinking about it. So these, if you can genetically include that, I'm not suggesting it, but if we're talking about strategy here, it's not a, it's not the worst idea. No, and it's it's not an idea you haven't come up with before, Dan. So right. I'm starting to worry. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know. Says the arsonist. Right, exactly. We all have our dark side. <laughs> I will yeah. be lighting fires. You'll be raising psychopaths. There we go. Right. I, I, it could also be simple things like appearance and eyesight. Like, you know, make sure everybody has perfect vision so they don't need glasses. Or make sure, you know, maybe they're all bald so they don't have to worry about, you know, hair gain in their eyes when they're on the battlefield. You know, there's all these little, yeah. yeah, or there's all these little tweaks you can make mm-hmm. that in uh, once brought together, improve a person's ability to be a soldier without necessarily turning them into the Hulk. Yeah. I, I thought then you were going with um, make their skin camouflage automatically, depending on where they are. Yeah, oh, you could cool. potentially do that too. choose people for for the, a skin tone that is optimal for where they'll be. Yeah, I wonder if you could even forget like skin tone, like human normal skin tone, but you could even do, I don't know, look, I haven't taken out what our human capabilities are according to our DNA. I know we are capable of single tones um, mm-hmm. in a wide spectrum of color, but could you do mm-hmm. some, I want to do something like an octopus where you could work in a couple of different you know, uh, melanin, well, melanin's one particular color, but a couple of different yeah. skin pigments that you could maybe change. I don't know. I'm, this is now we're getting not at all what I thought we'd talk about, but I wonder yeah. if you could, I wonder if you could do camouflage skin, genuinely camouflage skin. I, it would be very difficult to do the octopus style with like, which who have special cells and organelles for changing color. All right. But it, it's not as much of a reach to imagine somehow crossing in a different color pigment into us so that we're say green instead of uh you know brown browns and reds yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. well also also i mean one of the keys to camouflage is just having variation yeah right it's not the exact colors it's just to break you up visually yeah um and i think dan that like you may not be able to change it but to make yourself multicolored in a random pattern is probably not out of the realm of possibility that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So these are possible. Um, now, with genetics, we could say, while it's more permanent, it does take a while to come to fruition. You know, we yes. don't have rapid growth yet, so you would still need 20 years or at 12 <laughs> years, depending on the country, when you're willing to make them into a soldier. But you got time, at least a decade, let's say, right? Uh, but So that's where we come to mechanical enhancements. And these are kind of interesting because cybernetic enhancements, you know, we talked about, we have a whole episode on Dr. Octopus, uh, the Doc Ock, and we talked a little bit about some of this stuff, but I think it bears repeating, you know, because even, you know, within the past, you know, I think with the Obama administration, he, th- they wanted to create Talos, which is a tactical assault light operator suit. So this was supposed to be a program that created suits that were designed to cybernetically enhance our soldiers. Now, this is, I think, there. this is temporary. You can kind of decide exactly what the effects will be, but there's a high cost to it. So much like paper, rock, scissors we talked about in uh, Twisted Metal, you kind of get this when it comes to super soldiers as well. Yeah. Well, you know, and one of the things I think that intrigues me is the difference between 
um, a personalized suit that basically comes becomes body armor plus mm-hmm. some mechanical strength, mm-hmm. right? Versus all the way to the extreme of either a Doc Ock or an Iron Man. You know, Doc Ock, the arms are active mm-hmm. agents, independent from a suit mm-hmm. in, a, in an interesting way. And Iron Man, you're containing a lot of weaponry. Weaponry, like it gets heavy. It's hard to imagine where you would store it. Mm-hmm. But... You could carry heavier weapons right? if you were cybernetically enhanced. Yeah. So I think – and the cost scales and goes a lot with what is the goal of the suit, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. And enhanced armor would be my first desire, I think, as a super soldier having one of these suits. Yeah, I think the, I think the enhanced armor is really good. And, and I like you, you mentioning the weapons because it also can be things as simple as having a, a truss structure or a frame so you can hold – a bigger weapon you know right now you know the biggest gun that that soldiers can realistically carry is like the 50 caliber browning kind of machine gun style yeah you can't can't carry a mini gun um in your hand but if you have a linkage an armature all this mechanical structure now you can now you have a much more powerful weapon on a per just a person yeah, I think it's it, like this one was kind of this particular it, it didn't come to fruition. They kind of decommissioned it in 2019. But it was about, you know, basically supporting your joints, having like a silly putty effect. You guys will have a much more fancy term, but, you know, right. something that's mm-hmm. pliable when stretched. But with with kinetic force, it's hard for, for um, you know, for mm. impact and stuff Light, you know, intelligent weight distribution as well. And also the ability to enhance, you know your strength, your endurance, things like that. Uh, You know, this is something that I I think is super interesting. And, you know, all of, so all of the things have been done. We've talked about them a little bit before. And, but with this movie, besides making me really reconsider what you consider to be uh, entertaining, Denon, it also (laughs) made me reconsider working with artificial intelligence because what we see in this movie is really a symbiotic, an organism that is computer AI and robotic working in symbiosis with a biological human being. And this, I don't think we've talked about before, and this raises some very interesting possibilities. So I think there's really something here, Denon. No, I think there is. I mean, we'll just sort of quickly get the silly part out of the way. Um, just like movies like Independence Day, you have the challenge of this actually came from an alien planet and source. Mm-hmm. How does it know how to interface with human biology? Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. goes to prove that biology is the same everywhere in the universe. Evolution only occurs in one way, and what you get is humans <laughs> always. Um, so okay. So like, yeah. other, other than proving that, yeah. um, I, I – which it did I definitively, also, of course. Right, which, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I am actually, this has sort of changed a little bit my view of both symbiotic relationships and AI, Dan. So okay. I, I'm with you that the real interesting question is, what does it mean mm-hmm. to actually be plugged in symbiotically with an AI? And there's a lot of things that happen in this movie that I think are intriguing and anti-apocalypse. So, of course, I like them. Well, and I think it's also important, you know, we see the beetle, like, attached to his back, but clearly it's extending tendrils all the way up into the brain because mm-hmm. they can talk to each other. They can show each other like it gives him like a heads up display. You know, all these things have to come from deep integration into the brain. So the either like you said, Dr. Den, either this alien, you know, we're in some sort of situation 
where everything has been seeded from the same source biologically so that we are in fact compatible or you know this is a um this is an artificially intelligent a very intelligent alien device perhaps it is able to experiment and discover how the human brain and biology works and put that together as it integrates with your own body systems. I, so I'm a man for trial and error here on someone else on on a <laughs> yeah on a. I don't want them. I don't want the alien you know technology to be using me as the guinea pig. I don't know about you guys, but that's Are, not 100 percent what well, I'd like to be. Well, well, that's the other beauty of this is he is not the first host. So somebody else was the guinea pig. You know, right. the beetle now knows how to integrate with humans, and so it's it's all hunky dory. <laughs> right. So we, we're, we're good. <laughs> I'm around. So. Right. 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 That's where I want to be. I want to be in that section. Well, so this is you know one of my favorite. So what we're talking about here, which I think is interesting, and I think we did a little bit on uh, in our um, episode on symbiotes, where we talked about uh, human right. symbiosis. Mm-hmm. But zooxanthellae algae is one of I think one of the coolest. It's the coolest uh, organism. In the natural world, I think because, first of all, it's a protist. It's a it's a an animal. Well, it's not an animal, but it's basically a non-plant that can mm-hmm. use photosynthesis for energy. They don't really live well on their own. They can't exist, but they have a symbiotic mutualism, which where both uh, both organisms benefit. And so the Zooxanthellae algae lives with um Mollusks, the nudie branches, uh, which is a great name, which means naked gills. They they are in polyps, in coral polyps. They're in the upside down jellyfish. And they work seamlessly with many organisms on this planet to provide them with energy from the sun. And in return, they get the things that they need to eat. Now, for super soldiers, what I'm suggesting is that we combine ourselves with zooxanthellae algae, uh, which will then reduce their need to eat. Uh, no, that's not oh. actually that's not actually what I'm suggesting. But now that I think about it, that's not a bad idea. You know, no, it's not a bad idea. Now, mm-hmm. Dan, I think some of our listeners and watchers may not totally understand what you mean by a mutually beneficial symbiotic relationship. Okay. So I feel like a visual aid is helpful. Mm-hmm. So if you have an F triple GPT mug, yes, right, it, it's a great mutual symbiotic relationship because you benefit from the mug and all of its great properties. Right. And the mug benefits from being used. Yeah. Right. And having a and safe place get to all live. dusty and sit on right. a shelf. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so just for those who need a visual, uh-huh. this is a symbiotic relationship um, and shows that mutual benefit. So I highly recommend symbiotic relationships are excellent. They're always good to partake in. Mm-hmm. And so I recognize and people should go get their symbiotic F triple GBT mug. I agree. Well, and it's exactly the same with the F triple GBT water bottle mm-hmm. where you get hydrated, and the bottle has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and every object, inanimate or not, needs mm-hmm. a purpose. Right. Um. I think I think we learned that from you know some uh, or professional organizers. <laughs> Everything should have a purpose, even yep. the water bottles. I, I I couldn't agree more. And when it comes to mutually beneficial, not mutually assured destruction, which we've talked about in several other episodes, but mutually <laughs> beneficial, nothing says that better than our emoji brain trust shirt, which you can find <laughs> on F Triple G. 
bbt.com forward slash merch uh, for all of your merchandise needs. And we are in a relationship with you because you are benefiting from the merchandise and we are benefiting from you purchasing the merchandise. So it's all <laughs> good. Uh, but, you know, so this is kind of interesting because I think with this, you know, with the scarab, this blue beetle scarab has a mind of its own. And so much like the zooxanthellae algae, its AI power, when combined with human beings, does give quite a significant advantage. And I think one of the things that I've often overlooked here is if AI doesn't have the desire to take over human beings or the planet, which is impossible, but let's say, let's suspend this belief and say that it is possible. If AI could work in conjunction with human beings, like we see in this movie, like we see with Blue Beetle, then I think there's a path forward where you now have an organism that is so much more powerful Powerful and is true mutualism, where both both sides really benefit. I'll actually make an argument that it is not mutualism, but I'm going to save that for later. Let's say that it is where both <laughs> sides are benefiting. This is kind of interesting because the AI can provide, you know, in strategy. It can tap into your muscle resources. It can make you do things you didn't know were possible. Lots of benefits here, guys. Yeah, and I think it goes to what, what's key about having benefits, Dan, which I think is people often overlook with AI, which we've talked about before is AI is not actually artificial intelligence the way our brain is intelligent, certainly mm -hmm. not at the moment. Yet. Right? Its skill set is different. It, it is very good. It, basically, what it is best at mm -hmm. is taking more data than you could ever imagine and finding the pa patterns in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Which is a... It's actually a slightly different way than we work. We often do that. We often are a pattern-recognizing um, organism, but we also actually do logical... Um, processes. We actually do care about whether things are right or wrong. The interesting about AI it depends is on the person. About person depends on the person. Because oh, no. my, my grandma will make all sorts of weird little uh, superstitions. Yeah, okay. That's how superstitions <laughs> form, uh, where one or two yeah. things makes a pattern. Uh, not true right. in real life. That, yeah. No, so humans do often kind of fail to remember about things being correct or incorrect. Mm -hmm. But or at the end of the numbers. day, AI, mm -hmm. AI never actually cares about correct or incorrect. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it only cares about the pattern. And we're learning a lot of that from the modern sort of generative AI big language models. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important piece of a symbiotic relationship having any chance of being mutualism is you do need to bring different skill sets to it. And right. I think the AI and the human bring different skill sets. And that, that's a key piece. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, if, if you think about it, we've already so deeply integrated with AIs. You know, so many people use voice assistants and all this stuff. So we're already part of the way there. But what I like about Blue Beetle is it is not this large language model. It might even be a living alien in there. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. But it, it is certainly far more complex complex is far more complex and far more alive than uh, anything we've ever created from an artificial intelligence standpoint. So I love that this is this is a true alien being working with you together to save the world, or stop a rich guy from having a super weapon. Eh, it's not really important, no. but uh, <laughs> you know, it's for the better betterment of society, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I would say it's not so much an alien in biological terms. It's more like an alien computer system, which I think is an important distinction to make, if I'm understanding sure. it correctly. Um, because the I think the benefits of this particular system are that the biometrics are off the charts here, right? So it's mm -hmm. connecting to your brain. 
It is re- hearing your voice. Uh, it knows your thoughts. I well, mm-hmm. presumably it looks around and it sees the uses voice and, and facial recognition to see the people around you, your family, who you care about. And it puts all of this into a system. And because of that, it caters to you specifically and gives you mm-hmm. a custom fit. And, you know, like we see with zooxanthellae algae, that took thousands, probably millions of thousands. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how evolution <laughs> works. It took millions of years to really be one with that organism. You know, even in our own cells, the mitochondria, there's, you know, the theory is that that was a bacteria that we incorporated into cells, but that took millions, probably billions of years to really work, Mm -hmm. to be as fully functioning and customized to our cells as this particular suit is to uh, the blue beetle, I forget the man's name, who becomes a blue beetle, Um, but to become, to be perfect, of perfect form fitting, custom fit with a human being instantaneously, I think is a huge advancement here. I, and I think, Dan, two things quickly about that. One is that's the advantage of an AI learning quickly, right, mm-hmm. and the learning mm-hmm. machine that gives any chance of that happening and that custom. But it also goes back to what I would want in my super soldier suit, even if I didn't have an alien symbiote, mm-hmm. right, is those extra sensors, right? We mentioned a little bit not needing weapons. Mm-hmm. Weapons I don't need necessarily. But it reminds me, you you inspired me that in the suit I'm going to design, I'd like those extra sensors, you know, because I think that's something we could do. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you can have all these extra sensors. And and to undercut a little bit, for all we know, that is what the alien is now. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we are purely biological beings. Most of for, us. Generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but there's nothing to say that the Blue Beetle, yeah, it seems like a computer, but for all we know, wherever the Blue Beetle's from, their AIs took over, and now this is the the living being, so it, as it is, of that place in the galaxy. It is possible. I mean, you're hearkening back to our Transformers episode, you know, a world yeah. of machines, uh, highly intelligent uh, machines. Um, you know, but one of the things that I think is key, and the thing that I probably would have a very difficult time getting past here, is there is, I mean, you know, our main character here doesn't really have the choice. The beetle just kind of enters Mm -hmm. him and becomes one with him without really Mm -hmm. him being able to have a say. But if you want to work with AI in a more realistic system, you kind of would have to give yourself up to the AI. You know, you would have Mm -hmm. to agree that you want the AI to be a part of you and you're making that decision. And I think this is kind of one of those things where once you make that decision, you can't go back. You know, we learned that this blue beetle, it connects with every cell in your body. That's a little hard to walk back from. So this is a permanent decision (laughs) that you have to make and a difficult one to say the least. Well, you know, Dan, I would like to go back to our matrix episode because really, um, I sort of addressed this a little bit. It's kind of a feel of the matrix where we're worried about would we go in the matrix or not. And I pointed out that we're already in the matrix because we're connected to our cell phones. Not all of us, but many of us are connected to our cell phones Mm -hmm. in ways that we really are just their power source. um, And we just actually do everything that they demand of us. Mm -hmm. Right. And to some degree, I think people have already consented to being connected to the AIs of the world and the devices of the world mm-hmm. in ways they not may not have realized that they've given over. So I, I understand your concern, Dan. I'm kind of in, in, in your camp a little bit. I'm not sure that I would give um, control to the AI or how I'd feel about it 
But then I have to be honest with myself. I've given up control to lots of things and people in my life, including mm-hmm. recently airplane pilots um, when I flew <laughs> on a plane. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's a little different when they're in my cells. I get it. Yeah. I can get out of the airplane, not in mm-hmm. midair, but, you know. Yeah, I would, yeah. wouldn't um, recommend that. No, but but there are some analogies here that make me stop and wonder, maybe I'd be willing to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about, you know, obviously our hero does not consent to the beetle choosing him, mm-hmm. but there's that, that's a matter of politics and things like that. You know, for all we know, we're going to be forced to integrate with the AI <laughs> at some point. It's not going to be a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether it's because you have to do it because that's the rule or because you'll just be left on the wayside if you don't do it or by the wayside, whatever. The, yeah, yeah. the saying's not important. The point is <laughs> right. the people who don't take advantage of these tools will no longer be able to keep up with what's going on in the world. Yeah, the saying may not be important, but the irrelevance that comes from it, I think, is is the <laughs> is the important part here. And, you know, Denon, you know, I couldn't help but think that all the qualities you attributed to the cell phone and humans could also work for dogs as well. Because they yes. also seem like they're in charge and we're really mm-hmm. just, you know, their caretaker. We, we are their means to survival, you know, in the same way, I guess. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't know. It made sense in my head. Uh, it did, well, well, Dan, even more so of cats, because let's just face it. Yeah. Uh, now that I've owned both a dog and a cat, you really are at the whims of a cat where a dog will occasionally do what you want. A cat never will. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 That's true. Uh, they're a little, a little harder to control. Uh, but one of the things that I think you do get a benefit here. And, and uh, you know, I, wanna, I think I may mention this before, but that instantaneous muscle memory, you know, the AI seems mm-hmm. to be able to take over the body, know what it's capable of, and then be able to use it in a way that the blue beetle, the human, isn't capable or doesn't even know that he's capable mm-hmm. of doing. And that is a huge advantage. I mean, definitely for crime fighting uh, <laughs> or any kind of fighting, really, uh, whether, you know, yeah. good or bad, supervillain, superhero. Uh, but that's a pretty cool benefit that I think a lot of people would uh, here. As you said, Denon, people have given up a lot more for a lot less in our world. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. And what I love about there's there's two things going on here, uh, a physics challenge and I think an okay biological physics reality, mm-hmm. right? There's there's muscle memory in terms of doing things like karate, dancing, athletics that you didn't know you could do. Yes, in in our world at the moment it takes a lot of training. Mm-hmm. But it, what you're training is your brain to fire the right synapses. Mm-hmm. Your synapses mm-hmm. are all there. They can all be fired. It's just getting the right order. Right. And so it is not totally unreasonable that if an AI can fire synapses, it could fire them in the right order for you so you do these things. I'm willing mm-hmm. to accept. Right. The mm-hmm. leap you have to make is the ability to fire the synapses, not right, the immediate muscle memory, if, I'm, if I make that clear. Yeah. I think there might be a system, I could be wrong, and you guys can correct me, but I think when you do athletic work, you, you are creating new neural pathways. So it is not just a simple, it's not like the piano's there and you're learning how to play it by hitting the right keys. It's that you're actually kind of building a piano that fits the song you want to sing, if I can extend that Mozart metaphor to its... I, I, I th- I think so, but I, what I'm saying is that the AI could very, in a very, very short time, activate all those pathways for you. Right. Right. And create them yeah. if you need right. them. Yeah. 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 And cr- exactly. Yeah. I, I think that that's what's so cool about the 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 first integration scene uh, of the hero with the blue beetle is that 
it goes into a test mode. Mm, like, right. Yeah. What better way? You know, as the engineer, I, I'm loving that because it it shows that <laughs> the beetle has to learn its new host's body. Mm-hmm. So it goes through the flight test. It goes through the cut a bus in half test. Right. Uh, you know, it goes, it goes through the punching and kicking and all these things mm-hmm. because it has to evaluate and learn what the new host is capable of. And and because it's this advanced AI, because it knows how humans work, presumably, it's able with a very quick uh, test, able to figure out what the human can do and then become fully operational immediately after that. Whether, yeah, whether, no, I love whether that. it's a joystick for your computer or whether it's a advanced AI suit for crime fighting, calibration is key, Ben, I think is what you're, yes, is what you're, exactly. is what you're saying. Uh, and the other thing here that I think a lot of people would give up <laughs> their right to autonomy, really, their right to mental and intelligent autonomy would be their protection system. You know, because in, you know, in modern cars, you know, when you're trying to back up, sometimes the car will give you a loud <laughs> beeping sound or maybe even stop your car completely, which is very jarring to be a part of. You mm-hmm. know, um, in this movie, we do see that the suit has a protection system that keeps the Blue Beetle safe uh, from attack, from bullets. It's got a plasma shield. You mentioned cutting uh, the bus in half. You know, what happened is the bus is barreling towards towards him and he instinctively or through an automatic AI trigger puts up this gigantic plasma shield that cuts the bus in half, somehow not hurting or burning or killing anyone inside. You know, uh, that protection system, I think, given as much fear as people have these days, I think they would love to have a system that would ensure their safety under even the most extreme circumstances. I I totally agree, Dan, and I think that's where the other side, the bad side of the physics comes in. I think the detection, the decision-making, the protecting you by moving you, jumping you out of the way, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm all in favor of. I think the, this runs into the problem, the AI is great, and I get that, the energy source for some of the other stuff it does. Okay. Like the Mm -hmm. energy source and the material source for the plasma shield, for the shields, for the weapons. Um, It says it can create anything he wants, and he creates a super huge sword. Um, There is a little bit of a challenge of, you know, where... We've talked about this many, many times, right? Mm -hmm. The thing the cool stuff always runs into is the law of conservation of energy and mass. Mm -hmm. That's our Mm -hmm. problem. Um, But what amazes me about this is there is a whole ton of cool stuff it does that I would argue it could get the energy source from just you and your body in an interesting Mm -hmm. way. You probably have to eat a bit more than you normally do. Um, But it it is a trade-off there. Oh, that's cool. We didn't get the classic eating a ton of sandwiches after the fight uh, scene that you see in a lot of in some of these other properties. Yeah. But yeah... the, the energy is the problem. You know, obviously there's space alien tech, maybe the Beatles, like some crazy fusion reactor. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can make some arguments and, and get get over those problems. Yeah, I, so that kind of stuff. I mean, that's where this movie kind of moved into the ridiculous for me. But just mm-hmm. the idea that it's a protection, like it, that it, it detects what's around you. As I mentioned before, the biometrics, it knows who your friends are, it knows who your family are, and it knows what yeah. threat, or at least it decides yeah. what threats are. You know, this is the problem going yep. on now. We do have automated weapon systems that are designed with facial recognition to find threats. And surprise, surprise, they don't always work that well, but human lives yeah. are lost. And, you know, I think you could see that here. But if you're the person in the suit, you know, I guess if you're in the suit, it's better to be wrong than be dead. 
I guess would be. Yeah. <laughs> and that's got to go on a t-shirt somewhere, not one of mine, but I think I think it's not, yeah. <laughs> I think that Well, and it, it's the fundamental challenge, right, of designing self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. Is what ethics do you want to put into the car? I saw a great presentation on this where it is a fact that different cultures have a different value of the individual versus the collective, mm-hmm. right? If you think the collective is more important than the individual, you program your car to do one thing. Mm-hmm. If you think the individual is more important than the collective, particularly yourself as the individual, you'll program <laughs> your car to do something else, yeah. right? Yeah, and that like- that is a very real cultural, social decision and phenomena. Mm-hmm. We don't all actually have the same ethical system completely. Yeah. It's interesting. We all value human life, but we value it through these different lenses. Mm-hmm. And that determines the decisions you ask your car to make or your Blue Beetle AI suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, r- I really wonder, did the Blue Beetle suit know no one on the bus would get hurt? Mm. Or does the Blue Beetle n- suit not care about anyone but the host? <laughs> right. And that's a real question. And, yeah. you know, it's, you know, Stuff we've kind of tackled before, like what, what, where does it matter? You know, where does sacrifice come in? You know, see our knock at the cabin episode for a full rundown of that, of what our trade-offs would be. Dan, I'm a little nervous at how you were seemed to be surprised that it was a real question, as if most of our questions are not real ones on the show. <laughs> yeah. I want to reassure our listeners and viewers, most of our yeah. questions are real, yeah. despite Dan's surprise at that one being yeah. real. We take this very seriously. All we know is for sure the Blue Beetle does not care about the budget of the city um, and is willing to make them have to buy a new bus. Absolutely. We can say that for certain. We can say that for certain. Uh, One thing else I can say for certain is that we probably didn't get to everything. Uh, And this is our errors, additions, and omissions section, things we wanted to talk about but we didn't get to. Denon, is there anything about this movie you wanted to talk about that we didn't quite get to? Well, I have to say I really do... More and more, you're just convincing me more and more that this partnering with AI could be a good thing. And for those who are maybe Wordle players out there, you know, just to mm-hmm. drop a, a thing, I, I have gotten really into having the Wordle AI bot evaluate my gameplay. Um, <laughs> and and I will just quickly say, I noticed it really is interesting that the Wordle AI mm-hmm. does not like at all the strategy of guessing a word that you know is wrong. <laughs> but well, you know, will also give you lots of information. Okay, right. And so there are many times where I just have no clue what the word is, mm-hmm. and a g- key guess gets me the information. I get it right in the next one, and the Wordlebot will say, um, "This word was not a valid solution. Not sure why you guessed it, and give me zero points." Wow. <laughs> um, mm. and, and then so magically, oh, you got it right on the next one. So AI and humans do think very differently, Dan. Mm-hmm. And so this symbiotic relationship is an intriguing way to go. So I don't know if that's an error, an addition, or or what. Um, probably an addition, but I, I do find this AI stuff fascinating. Yeah. Well, I will say, I mean, even like opposites attract, right? Sometimes we find mates that yeah. are, you know, strong where we are weak. We are weak where they are strong, something like that. So this could be a, the yeah. perfect union. Uh, d- uh, I thought yeah. it blasphemed me to say that, but I, yeah, I'm saying it for sure. What about you, Ben? Yeah. Anything we want to talk about we didn't get to? Well, I mean, the, the Wordle thing, that's an addition for me. I didn't know there's this bot that evaluates your strategy. <laughs> right. I, need to, I need to find this out. You know, uh, uh, I, I play a lot of word games. and I could definitely use some uh, AI help <laughs> to uh, to to bring me into a, a new uh, level of experience. And whether it's just some boring old large language models like we have on our planet, or maybe, you know, maybe a blue beetle living in my brain that... Uh, 
is knows the dictionary very well, so it can uh, help me out. You know, I'm all for this, uh, and I and I welcome our new uh, word game cheats. <laughs> well, I will tell you, this is exactly what I was saying. Ben is willing to give up his autonomy simply to be better at word games. This is what's going to happen to the human race, uh, and why I'm so worried. Uh, so there are two, uh, three things I wanted to mention. You know, I love that in one of the scenes, the uh, the shield is actually a power glove, the Nintendo Power Glove, uh, which which mm-hmm. is a, a nice right. little Easter egg. Uh, there's a scorpion reference where one of the characters yells, get over here, uh, which is if you played Mortal Kombat, the scorpion, uh, one of my favorite lines. And I was going to argue, I don't think that this is mutualism. I think this is actually commensalism because I'm not sure the AI benefits from this particular interaction. Uh, so I, I'm not sure that it is true mutualism. I'm going to say that it's commensalism. I meant to make this point earlier, but it is an error and I'm making it an addition here. Uh, so that's that's what I would say. Um, but whether you agree with that or not, let us know about it. You know, you can get in touch with us on social media. You can find the show on X, formerly Twitter, at FGGBTPod. We are on Facebook at FGGBT, website FGGBT.com. Questions, if you want to send them to us, you can do it via email, questions at FGGBT.com. But you can get in touch with us individually. Denon, where can people find you? Well, I'm on most major social media, just flip my name, it's at Den and Michael. On Facebook, you have to stick a prof in at the beginning, it's at Prof Den and Michael. You can always catch me on YouTube with my Physics of X, where X is everything but politics. It is not formerly Twitter. Um, that's an unfortunate naming, but it's sufficiently old that my Facebook.com is slash Michael Denon. I actually got to put my name in the correct order. So um, that's where people find me, Dan. Uh, I do love that it is the physics of X, formerly Twitter. That would be a show uh, that nobody would watch. Uh, well, I might watch it. I support you. I support you. Uh, what about you, Ben? Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? Spell that B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter, formerly X. That's so dumb, by the way. I just want to say that right here. I mean, it's like Prince. By the way, the- you just said Twitter, formerly yeah. X. Just so you <laughs> See, know. I'm screwing well, all that, this up. That's, I don't that's like this later at all. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. X, formerly Twitter, formerly X. Uh, you can find me there uh, at Daniel J. Glenn. I am on Instagram and threads at the Daniel J. Glenn. On Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. Website, DanielJGlenn.com. And of course, if you're listening to this, you're only getting half the story. Uh, actually, getting the full story. Just no visual. Uh, and you can get the visual at youtube.com forward slash Daniel J. Glenn. And if you are listening on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss an episode and you help us out with that algorithm. And that algorithm is important, especially if you have fused yourself with an artificially intelligent machine. And if you have, uh, you know, you're going to want to decide what you're going to do with this newfound power. You know, are you going to use it for good and become a superhero or for ill and become a supervillain? We always suggest we uh, pleasantly push you in the direction of becoming a superhero. I think it's better for humanity. So always be a superhero, never a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? 
We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, ftriplegbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there ftriplegbt.com. And before you leave, don't forget to check out our other episodes. You can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got, and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio-only version, depending on what you like. We got it for you, and if you do like those videos, you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well. We're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And once again, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.